Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Snooze Hoops. My name is Casey Harrison. This is the April 3rd edition. Um, here alongside with fellow State News basketball writer Chase Michelson. How you doing? Uh, Casey, I am fantastic. Can't wait to get out to Minneapolis for the Final Four. That's a lie. We're recording this right now on April 1st, and this is no April Fool's joke. Um, we are dead tired. We just came back from uh, Washington, D.C., where we saw Michigan State advance um, in two rounds against LSU and then against Duke. Um, so today, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about those games. Uh, we're going to talk about the LSU win. Um, it's it's pretty much a non-story now, and I'm sure even by the time this podcast is out on Wednesday, that's going to be, like, far in the rearview mirror. Uh I, the, the Duke game, I think, is what everybody's going to be looking forward to the most. Well, even th- that's not even true. Um, but this, we'll preview Texas Tech, uh, what they can do, and we will give you our perhaps uh, a, a glimpse of what we think is going to happen in the championship game. Um, so here let's we go. Let's do it. Yeah, let's go. Let's roll. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll touch on this briefly, Michigan State. Um, handily beats LSU. I don't even know what the final score of that was. 80 to 63. There we go. Um, it, it, it was just such a long time ago. And the implications now, I mean, the only thing that's important is that they won. Um, Gabe Brown, he, he, he really shined in that game. He had 15 points. Uh, no. Yes. Yes. yes 15. Yes, he had four Aaron, threes. Aaron Henry had 20 points. Um, is there anything you, you know, what else do you take away from this game? I mean, I think that was the main thing, right, that the two freshmen had their shining moments, right? Henry with 20 and came in really aggressive, had eight boards. Um, He, in the first half especially, really came out with sort of a a fire that we hadn't seen before. And then they brought in Gabe Brown, and we're pretty sure LSU just literally didn't scout him because he literally has one Big Ten-level skill at this point. He might become a better player in the future, but right now the only thing he can do at a Big Ten level is shoot and they refused to guard him. They just left him open in the corner in their terrible 1-3-1 zone. Sorry, yeah. I'm not trying to pile on. Look, LSU, I think, is a good team, and I think that that it's hard to lose your coach. I I think a lot and of that had to do with losing your coach, and that's where it shows. Um, because I, I think Tony Benford was only going to take you so far. Um, and then when, when you know... I, I think there was a clear lack of emphasis on guys deeper into the rotation. And so that's when you got – because Gabe Brown wasn't even – there wasn't even a guy on Gabe Brown for two or three of his shots. Right, because they, because they they were in a 1-3-1 with shooters in the corners, but they, for some reason, shaded over to Aaron Henry. And he made a couple threes, but Aaron Henry is not the shooter yeah. that Gabe Brown is. Uh, we know that. I don't know if LSU knew that. However, Tony Benford, shout out, he's Texas Tech Red Raider. I don't know what that means, but it is interesting. It is. Um I, I guess, uh, you know, the, the one thing LSU really did well was um, the play from point guard Trey Waters. Uh, he had 23 points in 29 minutes. And he really kind of, you know, he almost single-handedly put LSU back in this game. They went on a big run um, at the end of the first half and into the beginning of the second half to bring it from, I believe it was a 17-point game at one point, back to a four-point game. Um, and then Michigan State did what Michigan State does, um, and they pretty much pull away late. What we should mention, though, the fact that Tremont Waters was able to get in the paint so consistently and just sort of run past Matt McQuaid yeah. uh, a couple times is concerning for, for Michigan State. Probably not in this round, because I think Matt Mooney and Davide Moretti, mm-hmm. or however you say it, uh, 
they're not that level quick. I think if it gets to a championship game against either Auburn or Virginia, but particularly Auburn, if it's um, Bryce Brown, that's that's concerning. And Harper, those are two quick guards. Um, and Jared Harper, those are two quick guards that can that's 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 an issue. That's SEC speed that we yeah. saw on on Friday night in DC and we could potentially see it next Monday in Minneapolis. But obviously that's a long ways away. But yeah, the the LSU game it was MSU came out on fire. They controlled most of the game. LSU had one big run that sort of bookended the last part of the first half and the initial run in the second half and then MSU responded. Kenny Goins hit a 3. That's a little foreshadowing. Um, Gabe Brown hit two threes, and Cash Swinson did what he does, which is sort of command the game, control the game, never let the heart rate go above what's the heart rate supposed to be at? Whatever the normal heart rate is, lower than our heart rate. I think according to my Fitbit, moment. it's between like 60 and 100. But there you go. So it's somewhere in between the, that range. That's for a, a normal human being. For somebody like Cassius, it's like 20. Yeah, not think, really. That's, no, that's that's hyperbole. I was gonna say. I think he might be yeah. clinically dead at that point. Yeah. But I mean, the point would be your heart would be ice cold. Right. Um, and so after that game, you know, we we do our media scrums. We come back. Well, I go back up to where we were sitting, um, up in the nosebleeds, and there we watch um, Duke take on Virginia Tech, and that was a really close game. That ended in 73, 75-73 uh, fashion. Right. Um, sort of late puck luck um, type win again for Duke. And it was just another way that you saw that Duke was a beatable team. Um, you, you see Virginia Tech doesn't box out again late. Um, and then it, they, they try to go for a game-winning or a game-tying layup at the buzzer, um, and it goes in and out of the rim. Uh, but, but that leads us into last Sunday where Michigan State – Barely comes away, um, but albeit does, against Duke. Um, 68-67 to advance to the Final Four. Tom Mizzo's eighth. And, you know, I, it, a win is a win in March. And right. you, you're going to take what you're going to get. Um, and so I think for this, I mean, this has to be one of Tom Mizzo's most signature wins that I've ever seen, and if not throughout his whole career, correct? Yeah, I think so because of the opponent and because of the – the injuries that this team has had and the fact that this team is sort of... Not only the team that he faced, but who was on that team. Right. Because, obviously, going into this game, Coach K owned Izzo, um, you know, going in with a 1-11 record. But the the I think the psychological fear factor of facing guys like Zion and Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett, um, it just... It was such a mental hurdle to pass that the media had built up Duke as, you know, the the undoubtable champion pretty much already written out. Um, but MSU comes, and I it, Duke really sort of breaks away. Um, MSU gets out, I think, to like a 17-6. to six. No, 17-9? And then Duke pretty much goes on like a 20... Well, it ends up being like a 13-0 run, 12-0 run. 12-0 run to get to a 30-21 to lead with about five minutes left. And then Zion Williamson picks up his second foul. He doesn't sit for very long. He sits for, I think, two minutes. But mm-hmm. it was an important two minutes because that's when Cassius Winston did what he does, right? Gets in the paint, 
over and over, seemed very comfortable all of a sudden after a, a period of time in which MSU was doing a lot of dribbling and not a lot of passing and not getting a lot of good looks. All of a sudden, Winston's in the paint. He's throwing up floaters. He's contorting his body and getting and ones. He's passing to Xavier Tillman. He's getting steals. Duke turned the ball over 17 times. This is a game when we saw Duke's inexperience for as talented as they are, and they are supremely yep. talented. And when you see them in person, you can see that the, the difference in skill is, like, crazy yeah. <laughs> in person. But they do make those mistakes, right? So Zion, for as good as he was, turned the ball over five times. R.J. Barrett, 7 for 17 from the field. That's not that bad. Seven turnovers. That's so bad. And he took some terrible shots, right? This is a really talented guy who's going to be a franchise player in the NBA, but he's 18. And for, for Michigan State to get 28 points off of those turnovers right. isn't really an area where MSU has capitalized on much during the year. Um, and so, you know, you, you really come through and they get so many points in transition. Um, it was 15-0. to zero. So yeah. Duke... The team that it seemed like every game you had at least two or three steals leading to these preposterous dunks Mm -hmm. by Zion or RJ or Reddish or whoever finishes with zero fast break points. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's the game. That's the story of the game, right? The the fact that the team that had just bludgeoned teams finishes with zero fast break points. And there there was a moment in the second half where it looked like Zion was... He was going off. He was doing what he was doing. Right. And that was partly because Xavier Tillman was in foul trouble. Xavier Tillman had just an incredible game defensively, yeah, I did. think, against against Zion, even though you look at Zion's stat line and he finishes with 24 points uh, and 14 rebounds in 37 minutes. But that was also because Tillman was really only limited to about 30 minutes. Uh, he finishes, like, right about 29. And... In that time off, that's when Zion was doing most of his work, and that was against um, with Nick Ward and Kenny Goins were on that assignment. And so in the second half of this game, Zion is doing what he's doing, and Michigan State and Duke are just going back and forth. There's so many lead changes. And we get to a point there with about three minutes left, and Duke starts to go on a 7-0 run, and we, we think that they're about to break away. Um, it's 66, 63, 66 to 63 with a minute 17 left. Yep. And Izzo calls the first of two important timeouts. Yes. Right? Yep. And so they drop a play. Um, you know, Cassius drives the ball down down the court, um, eventually sets a screen. Tillman gives a pass to Goyne near the wing, and he, he lets go of a three, and he had to do it over Zion, who had just about a minute before swatted, and he got his hand and he tipped a three-pointer that ended up in a, 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 a foul for Goins and a turnover. Um, but he he put a little more arc on it, and he said he he knew from the second that it came out of his hands that it was good. Right. That that was a great play, and the the, the sort of backstory there is Cassius Winston called that play. Yeah, and right. the fact that he knew that. Duke wasn't going to predict that. Right. That everybody thought in this late game situation that it was going to be Cassius with the ball in his hands and he was going to be the one passing. And when you watch the play and you see him pass it to Tillman on a sort of just like very basic chess set, and you see him run a little blur through the paint, you see Trey Jones's eyes com- completely locked on Cassius. You see Zion Williams's eyes completely locked on Cassius. Frankly, you see five sets of eyes wearing white jerseys 
all trained on number five in green. Along with pretty much everybody in the building. Everybody in the building. And then Kenny Goins. It's just that roll and replace action that we've seen all year. Mm -hmm. It's a guy who didn't make a three his first three years on campus, right, has become maybe the most reliable three-point shooter on the team. Yeah. And that's amazing. And so for him to make that shot, the the former walk-on to take the lead and then um, eventually win the game. Yeah, and that was Michigan State's final field goal. That was the game-winning bucket. Right. Um, And so it's up to them to play defense the rest of the game. And it comes down to uh, R.J. Barrett at the free-throw line. Right. He gets fouled, and it's the, a one-and-one. One. He misses the front end, um, which could have potentially tied the game because he made the second one um, after an inbounds play that gets sort of tipped away. Uh, it, it gets ruled Duke ball, but they don't do anything with it. Um, so it goes back to Michigan State with 4.7 seconds left. Yeah, well, well, so, so Barrett, so Barrett, it's a shooting foul. So yeah. Barrett, Barrett, Barrett goes to the line, misses the first one, then accidentally makes the second one because there's 5.7 yeah. left or whatever. So he's trying to miss it, but you can see he throws it right off the rim. Yeah. It hits the front of the rim, bounces high up in the air, drops in. That wasn't what they were looking for. They were looking for a little repeat of yeah. what they had against UCF, right? Um, so ball goes in, So, but Duke only has, I think, four team fouls. So they got to foul a bunch of times. Yeah. So they foul Winston once. And then that play, exactly the the eyebrow, see, you know, seen around the world was Xavier Tillman. Yeah, and so with four point seven seconds left, Xavier Tillman had the inbounds pass, and he sort of he looks at Cassius, he kind of nods, and Cassius knew exactly what it was, and it was sort of almost it was almost like a wheel route where right. Tillman just lobs it, probably closer to to mid court. And Cassius catches it, and he dribbles down court um, up the sideline, and then he zips around um, to make sure that time expires, and then Michigan State wins. Um, and, it, you know, we were sitting right in front of Tom Izzo. He raises both fists. Um, you know, he, he hugs Dane Fife and uh, DJ, and they, like, it was just this surreal moment, and, you know. I don't think Izzo believed it was happening. No, I don't think anybody on the team kind of believed it was happening. And I don't think anybody from the media to the fans, because everybody thought this game was going to go down to the wire, and just the way that Duke had been playing, that it, it seemed like their luck was never going to run out. Right, and, and obviously some of that luck is created by supreme, overwhelming talent. Yeah. I think that the, the real difference in this game down the stretch was – the composure, right? So you have a junior point guard calling the play yeah. for a graduate senior shooting a three. Mm-hmm. And on the other end, you have a freshman. And for all of R.J. Barrett's gifts and ability to score the ball, he's 18 years old. Yeah, and, and let's he not... has to make two free throws or else the team loses. Yeah, That's pressure, period. And so that's hard. And... And that's sort of the, the gamble that you take when you play the one-and-done game, right? And I, I was not impressed with um, Duke's offense. I just didn't think they really ran a lot of sets. It was a lot of just, like, ISO for Zion, ISO for RJ. And it's like, that's not really offense. I just thought it was kind of weird that in the last two or three minutes of the game, Zion didn't touch the ball at all. Yeah, he had the bucket. He had uh, – Duke's last field goal with, uh, let's see, with 141 left where he gets the ball, he's on the right wing, he gets the ball, turns the corner on Kenny Goins and yeah. lays it up because once you turn the corner, yeah. it's over, right, With when it's Zion because he's so strong, he's so fast, you're not going to be able to stop him. This is whether 
he makes a shot or not. So, but then after that, yeah, he didn't touch the ball. It was all it was all RJ. They had they ran like a little blur thing for Reddish that didn't. He didn't even pass to it. And that was a weird situation with Reddish, too, because, you know, we we heard before the game that he wasn't going to start, so we thought maybe there was a possibility he doesn't play at all. Um, he doesn't play the first two or three minutes, and then after that, he plays pretty much the rest of the way. Right. Um, that was just – it was a weird situation. I don't know if Coach K was trying to, like, surprise Izzo or – I don't know. It was just weird. Um, but – at the end of the day, I, I I think it shows just the the cerebral ability of Cassius Winston, right. and it shows the maturity and the mental toughness of Michigan State as a, as a unit. Right. And it's just these are the types of games where if you can get over this mental hump, if you can beat a team like Duke, what's stopping you from winning it all? Yeah, I think at this point, and I picked Duke to win this game. Yeah. Um, I picked Duke to win it all. Right. Um. At this point, Texas Tech's played really well. We yeah. said that earlier. And Auburn has that team of destiny playing for Chumo Kike kind of thing going on. And Virginia, with everything that happened last year, there's a lot there also. But if I had to pick one team right now to win the whole thing, it would be Michigan State. Yeah. Because they're playing the best right now as a whole unit. Mm-hmm. And while Jarrett Culver for Texas Tech might be the best Pro prospect on the floor when they play at 8:49 Eastern on Saturday. He's not the best college player. Yeah. Right. That's Cassius Winston. And so, you know, obviously we'll see what happens. But I think that there's there's a there's a this idea that well Michigan State hasn't played a defense like Texas Tech, and that's true. Texas Tech ices every ball screen. They force everything to the baseline. They force you to create when you're running out of room like that. They do not let you get into the middle of the paint, which is where Cassius is so effective. And that's true. But I also don't think that Texas Tech has faced a point guard like Cassius Winston because if you haven't faced Michigan State, you haven't faced a point guard like Cassius Winston, period. No, exactly. And, you know, Texas Tech, they're a -a one-of-a-kind defense in their own right, and they're the, the best defensive team in the country in so many statistical categories, but they haven't gone against anybody like Cassius Winston. Right. And they haven't gone against somebody who can orchestrate the offense in such a masterful way where he knows what he's doing without even having eyes on the floor. Right, and I think that and, and Texas Tech did a good job of, in the second half, neutralizing Gonzaga's sort of multi-pronged attack with yeah. Clark and Hachimura and Perkins and Norvell. And, but that's a, it's all based on that sort of motion continuity that, and that, that constant ball screen action that Gonzaga just runs over and over and over during the course of the same possession and everything that Hachimura brings to the table. And that's a different offense than Michigan State. Yeah. And Michigan, which Texas Tech just bludgeoned, is a different offense than Michigan State. Exactly. Because there, what I've seen – against Gonzaga and against Michigan is those two teams, they re- they rely on their front court to get the bulk of their points right. as opposed to where you can get Cassius Winston and if you can get Matt McQuaid and even Kenny Goins going on the wings, then you don't rely on Xavier Tillman and Kenny inside nearly as much. Right. Because I do think that they will struggle inside. Uh, and, yeah. Tillman had 19, um, Goins had 10 um, against Duke, and obviously – the length of Duke is impressive, and, and Zion's a great rim protector, and Javon Delorier had some good moments. He was dunked on twice pretty violently. 
Um, I do think that Texas Tech's rim protection is a little more solid. Uh, so I don't think that you're going to have those rim runs as often against Texas Tech. But I do think that that even forced baseline that Winston will be able to make enough plays because he just doesn't panic ever. No, not at all. And, but an interesting thing here is I, I, I think Texas Tech is going to force Winston to shoot the three a lot, which if you've looked at his numbers ever since the Michigan game in Ann Arbor, right. he's not shooting excellent from deep at all. It's right. I, Last time I checked, it was 24%. I don't know if that's gone up or down. Come a little was, bit up because he made two. That was, right, that was before the LSU game. Yeah. Um, and so he hasn't he didn't shoot the ball phenomenally over the weekend. Uh, but you know, you, you talk about Texas Tech and Chris Beard and the no middle offense. And it'll be interesting to see just exactly how many times Winston is going to be able to finish inside because that's such a big part of his game is you know getting these layups. Right. Um, I do think Texas Tech will force him baseline, but I also think that with a whole week to prepare, I think you got to favor his own that matchup. Not that Chris Beard isn't a really good coach, but he's young. I mean, he's never been to the Final Four before. And he's um, just, you know, he's 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 coached at, in this league. You know, he had that weird thing at Arkansas Little Rock and things like that. But for the most part, he has this one league to draw on. You have good point guards, but it's a lot of motion stuff. Um, it's not what Michigan State runs. And I don't know. I just think that Texas Tech is going to be surprised by Cassius Winston because if Mike Krzyzewski, who has coached for, as he reminded Dang me, near 40 years. for, as he reminded me, 44 years, um, and has seen Winston, has played against Winston, or coached against Winston three straight years, right? Yep. Against him as a freshman in Cameron, uh, last year in Chicago in the Champions Classic, and now this year. For him to be as surprised as he was and to say things like, Cash is as good of a guard as we've played all year. And we didn't we didn't have an answer because he has the highest basketball IQ of anybody we've played against. Like those are things that you don't you hear, but you don't hear in that way. You don't hear it with the sincerity. Right. You know, because obviously if if Duke ends up winning that game, you're gonna be like oh, yeah, Winston had a hell of a game, like, that guy's going to have a future. But you just say that more as when you're at the podium, it's just sportsmanship, you know. Um, It's just, you know, it's really interesting to to see this matchup because I I, I think, too, with an advantage for Izzo is he has a leg up in terms of experience in coaching in the postseason so much more than Chris Beard or Tony Bennett um, or – Chris Pearl. Yes. I mean, he's the only person, he's the only coach of the four to have ever made the Final Four, and this is eighth. Yeah. So he has eight times as many as they do combined. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. it's a it's really a a pretty dramatic um, difference in I think preparation level that I think is going to help. I, I will say though, the the fact that Michigan State is going to maybe have the least amount of talent pure talent of any of the four teams mm-hmm. obviously concern and and just because you were able to survive it against duke doesn't necessarily mean you'll be able to survive it against texas tech because texas tech has older guys right? yeah they have, the they grad have two grad transfers culver's a junior so you, you it's a different type of team um than duke which is so reliant on freshmen and so when you're so reliant on 18 year olds 
weird stuff happens. Yeah. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I mean, you know, you, you talked about Moretti. Or Moretti. Uh, it's like know, the best shooter in college basketball. 46.3% right now. Yeah, uh, that's really deep. good. That, that's exceptional. It's a little analysis there. 92% from the foul line, too. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, the guy doesn't miss. And weirdly enough, he's only averaging 11.6 a game. Right. I don't think he's not a volume shooter. Yeah. But the issue is... Sort of like Ryan Klein, but right. a better Ryan Klein. Right. You can't let him get... And that's not anything bad about all. Klein. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and Michigan State struggled against Klein, particularly in West Lafayette. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I do think that Michigan State will win this game, though. I don't want to say, like, handily or anything, but I would pick Michigan State, uh, let's say, 65-60. Yeah, I, I feel like... That's that's pretty accurate. I would I wouldn't say any more than seven to ten, but I, I feel like that five point range is probably pretty good. Um, I was seeing. I think they they're a three point favorite right now against Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, this is obviously this is Monday, um, and if they were to advance, um, I forgot what the spread would be, but they would be favored uh, a favorite against Auburn and a one point dog to Virginia. Yeah. Well, you know, and obviously that's before those games take place, and we'll yeah. talk about that possible matchup on Sunday if yeah. that um, if that happens. You know, we will we will be talking on Sunday about the Monday night game um, if Michigan State advances um, to face either Auburn or Virginia. I know this is a, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting moment for this team. This team has earned it in a way that other teams didn't and it's so inter- like it's so fascinating in the sense that the last two years before this the teams have been vastly more talented and you know you have guys like miles bridges and jaron jackson who were lottery picks denzel and valentine denzel valentine you know guys who were picked in the first round and you know you want to go back then you even talk about Bryn forbes and matt costello guys who right. played in the nba right, right. And they weren't able to get it done because they didn't have the same mental toughness that you need at this time of year. Right, and it's 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 been really impressive what Michigan State's been able to do, just sort of every game. Being and to do it without mismatch. Josh Langford, I think too. Yeah, and and especially shorthanded now without Kyle Lawrence. If you right. would have told me uh, St. Patrick's Day that MSU would have been a Final Four team, I would have said you're crazy. Yeah, and, and with half of Nick Ward, right? Because Nick Ward played 13 minutes yesterday, and he was effective in the sense that he was getting to the spots, but yeah. he was missing shots that he should make, and it's because he fell on that hand that he broke against Ohio State against LSU. So that left hand, which is so responsible for everything he does, he doesn't do anything right-handed, is bruised. So another week for that to heal up is obviously a good thing, too, because he'll have one more moment in this tournament, I think. I think, too. Um, so we talked about, you know, we think Michigan State has – is probably going to advance, or we're picking Michigan State to advance to the title game. Um, what about on the other side with Virginia Auburn? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, we'll go quick. I think that Auburn relies on the threes to a pretty insane degree, and I think that um, while Virginia allows three point shooting because of the pack line thing, I just think that their defense is really solid. And unless somebody goes full Carson Edwards. Um, which could happen. Jared Harper's a good shooter. Um, or Anthony McElmore or Bryce Brown. Um, I don't see Auburn winning. You know, Auburn, Auburn's had a hell of a run, and they were picked early in the year to be a top-10 team. They kind of had a lull. Um, but I, I do see I do see Virginia um, advancing. And Virginia-Michigan State would be 
That'd be a fun that would be, title I, game. I think, I think especially that's what the NCAA is hoping for. At They're praying point, for yeah. it because point, yeah. they they lost all of their bl- other blue bud blue bloods. Um, before that. Well, yeah, because Auburn knocked them all out. <laughs> they, Auburn <laughs> knocked out gauntlet. Kansas. Then they blocked, blocked out, knocked out Carolina. Then they knocked out Kentucky. And then Michigan State knocked out Duke. And then Mark Emmert was left wondering, what is he going to do? Other than, I guess, give my mom a degree at the University of Washington. Shout out. Um, so, you know, all right. So we're, we're – I, I agree because I think Virginia is better than Auburn. Um I guess if you had to pick right now, gun to your head, who is going to be national champion this time next week? Uh, Michigan State. And we'll talk more about that Sunday if that comes to pass. So. Yeah, I feel like um, we could come out with a special edition um, and we could uh, do some things. But yeah. that's that's also reliant on our great staff. Um, but I think that'll do it pretty much. Um, any, any final thoughts? Uh just that in a losing effort, Zion Williamson was terrifying. And um, anyone who thinks that he's not the best player in the NCAA because his team loss is crazy. I agree. Dude's good. Uh, was really scary. And in a game where it was sort of like his B-minus game, was still like clearly the best player on the floor. So, uh, But, you know, his, his, his time in college is over. And uh, Cassius Winston's marches on, along with Xavier Tillman. And... Kenny Goins and Matt McQuaid, they get to play at least They're one on more the game clock. In, uh, in green and white. So that'll be cool. That'll be cool to be there on Saturday in Minneapolis. Yes, and we'll be there delivering all the coverage. Um, you can follow us on our personal Twitter accounts uh, at Casey underscore Harrison 1, at Chase Marino 13. Um, don't forget to follow our podcast account at TSNCast. You can always follow us on Facebook and our SoundCloud state news, or soundcloud.com forward slash state news. And tune in next week, maybe Sunday, um, but also next week for our season wrap-up and our final thoughts from the season. Thanks for watching. Listening. Whatever. Welcome to SnoozeCast, where we take an in-depth look at the state news' biggest stories of the week, while bringing new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. You can find us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash state news, and always online at statenews.com. Hi, I'm Matt Schmucker. I'm Jameson Draper. If you're looking for some new music to listen to, or maybe even some piping hot music takes, then check out our podcast, Snoozik, airing every other Tuesday on the State News Podcast Network.